is awesome. It's so exciting to be a church on a Sunday night. doesn't matter where you are. Church is always the best place to be, even if you think, oh, no, I'll just stay home, watch TV. Always better to be at church every single time. The nights that I thought, I want to stay home and watch that movie, but I said, no, even if I don't want to be at church, it's better to be there. Those are the nights where God dramatically flipped my world around and gave me the strongest directive and word, and I remember those times. So if you have a choice, always choose. Come to church, get involved, meet the family, hang out with the family because it's awesome, and God is awesome. So hey, you can't go wrong. You can never lose. So, very quickly, we're going to look, if you've got your Bible tonight, this thing's awesome. Grab your Bible, shake it in your ear. They're pretty quiet, aren't they, at the moment? All right. So, we're going to look today in Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. When you get there, give me a yell. Really there, not just pretending you're there. Okay, good. Alex, you are the winner, always. Okay, so this is called, this message is called The Blind Man's Point of View. That's what I call it. I thought that was pretty funny. Blind Man's Point of View. So here we go, verse 35, it starts. And this is the best line in the whole passage. Then it happened. Now, I don't know about you, but I like things happening. So you can text people and say, hey, what's happening? What's the happenings? Whatever. I like things happening. I don't like things boring and just the same from day to day. And thank goodness life does not do that. But there it says in verse 35, then it happened. And that just grabbed my point of view. What an opening. It's like a neon sign. Watch this space. Something happens. And there's more to come. Then it happened. So it's talking from Jesus' point of view. It starts, then it happened as he... Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And then it switches over from Jesus' point of view to a certain blind man. Now the story continues on from the certain blind man's point of view. So we've got our introduction. Something happens this certain day and a certain blind man sat by the road begging. One thing I was talking to the youth leaders on Wednesday night. They're an awesome team. And um, I was saying that, and I felt like God wanted to say, wherever Jesus is, there'll be something happening. And people think, oh, it's always stuff coming up. Or it's always, you know, I feel like I've always got issues. But I want to add to that. There's things always happen when Jesus is around. Good, bad, and ugly. Things are always happening. Maybe at the same time. That's why it feels like your head's going to blow off. But good, Bad and ugly things happen just because Jesus is around. So kind of get used to it. But remember, good things happen as well. So that was just something I was thinking about the other day. So things happen. Jesus and you equals good, bad, and ugly things happen. They will. They will, I promise you. They will happen. So this man, he sat by the side of the road. So we're going to read through this story. This blind man sat by the side of the road. When I was little, I used to sit by the side of the road and mark all the cars, going past blue cars, white cars, red cars, cool, and then go inside for tea. But one thing, when you sit by the gutter, that's where all the rubbish is, that's where all the the bad stuff is, and in those days, all the crap would be there, all the rubbish, all the yucky stuff would be. So he was sitting there in his spot, 
with all the junk and rubbish around about him. And because he was blind, he couldn't see probably what he was sitting next to, where his camels had been there. I know donkeys had been passed. All in those days traveled on those roads. And he was sitting there on the side of the road. And another thing is, looking at this blind man, in those days, it's kind of like a profession. So you would have your blind man's corner where this blind man would sit, and that would be his spot right here at the intersection, right here, good, because you've got lots of people, lots of traffic flow. People have to look at you when you come here, so I'd sit here, so I'd, they'd have to see me, these people. So I'd have the most maximum opportunity to get as much money as I can, and they'd work it like a profession. So that was his spot. He sat by the road, the same place, the same spot, that was his place. And who knows how long he'd sat there for, maybe years, maybe days. I don't know how long he'd been blind, but that was his spot, the blind man's spot. That was his situation. So he was known for being there, begging, I don't know how long, for day after day, maybe 10 years, maybe he'd been born blind. Maybe his um, stepdad, I don't know, maybe an uncle said, sit there with the bowl, and that's been his life the whole time. Or he may have been like, say, 25, hammering in blocks of wood and a chip went in his eye and he was blinded and no longer could he do anything. So um, his family would put him there to at least he'll get something. At least he could add something to the family. So he'd been sitting there for a certain amount of time. So he was sightless on the side of the road. So this man is the one we're looking at, his point of view, even though he was blind. Verse 36, it says... And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. I reckon there must have been something about that multitude, because he would have heard people going past all the time. People going past yelling, shouting. He would have heard all sorts of conversations. He would have heard all sorts of things said. But this was something different. There's a whole group of people all going somewhere, all saying something. And there was something different in their tone. There was something in the atmosphere. There was something happening. And he wanted to know. What was going on? What was going on? So he started to ask questions. He asked what it meant. So they told him in verse 37. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And I think that's really cool because it talks about seasons of God happening around about us. And we can sit there in our situation and think, man, why is there so much stuff going on? Man, and just like bury our head in a, and just miss that actually we're in a season of God right now and he's doing something. What is he doing? And what is required of me right now? So there's, a season, there's always seasons of God. God is always doing something. There's always something happening because that's who he is. He's, he's not dead. He's alive. And wherever he goes, things happen. So it's a season of God, I believe that talks about, moves of God, seasons of growth, seasons of change, stretching, seasons of blessing, seasons of restoration, seasons of your family coming back in to know Jesus. All sorts of seasons happen in your walk and in your life with God. What season are you in now? What is God doing in your life right now? Because he is moving. He is active. He's not silent. He's not passive. He's not dead and buried and gone a long time ago. He's real and active and interested and involved in our lives. This is who he is. So what is he doing right now? So this is a question a blind man asked, sitting on the side of the road. He said, what is going on in his language? And it said in verse 39, oh, let's say the time Jesus was passing by, and verse 38, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
He cried out. He did something. He stirred up. He had expectation somewhere hidden inside of him. He had expectation that somehow, sometimes something would change. Just He just knew it. Because I reckon when you heard something, there's a season of God going on. There's a move. There's something happening. Something inside rises up and says, God, have mercy on my life. God, I want you to do something in my life. He had something on the inside. And I looked up, what does this word mercy mean? I looked up in my little dictionary thing. It's awesome. I love it. Mercy equals kindness, loving kindness, kind, beneficent, so do good towards, alleviate my distress, show kindness to me, show your disposition to be kind and to be active in my life. Show me. So he wasn't just throwing out a, this is not a joke. He was not throwing out a blind hope to say, Jesus, do something in my life. But he recognized something. He'd heard something about this man. He'd heard the dead people (sighs) had come back to life again. He'd seen, oh no, he hadn't seen. He'd heard that deaf people had their ears open. He'd heard of blind people. He'd heard of the son that had been restored to his mother after his life had gone. He'd heard of these things. So inside, something stirred and something cried out. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Show me by action your kindness. I know you are kind. I know this is your nature. I know you are active. You're not just a lovely picture on the wall. You are active in your kindness. So God, this thing I know about you, God, I pull it into my life. God, I want to see it happen because I know that you will. Because this is who you are. So this was his position of faith. So he cried out. He stirred himself up and he cried out. So tonight, wherever you're sitting right now in your chair, are you stirred? Are you expectant that whatever season God is bringing you through, are you able to cry, God, do something in my life. God, I want change in this circumstance. God, I want change in this area. God, I'm not happy to stay the same way. God, for my family, God, for me, for my church, for my community, God, show your kindness through action because I know this is who you are. Is that stirring up in you or is it passive and silent on the inside? Because you know what? You are allowed to ask him for what you want. You are. He encourages you to ask for what you want. You are allowed the things that you desire. It says, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. There's great freedom in there because he's my dad and he's good. Something that I found, something that I found is like with little children, the little children come up to their dad and they don't take no for an answer. They want what they want because that's what they want. That's all that's in front of the, you know, that's all they can see is chocolate. I want chocolate, dad. I need chocolate, dad. I want chocolate, dad. Dad, I want chocolate. Dad, I want, I want a car. Dad, I want a car. Dad, I want, a, I want to go to Indonesia. Dad, I want to go to Indonesia. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want this. No, dad, I want this. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want that. Dad, I want this. Dad, I want this. And keep going and keep going and keep going. That's what kids are like. And God is my dad, so I will have the same relationship with him. And um, if he says no, 
I'll still ask a little bit more anyway. But um, he can still say no, but I'll still ask a little bit more. And he's not bothered by me, so that's cool. That's really cool. And so he cried out. And verse 39, and then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a whole lot in that verse. So there was a warning from the people around. That sounds like a threat to me. It doesn't sound very nice at all. It's not like, hey, shush, shush. It sounds like, shut up, or I'm going to punch your head in. That, that kind of thing. Sounds like that kind of, like a warning is like, you do that again, you are fired. You know, warning, written warning. It's not like, by the way, could you please, you know, don't put your smokes and butts in, the, you know. It's like, do not do this, or it's, you know, it's, you know, go away kind of thing. So it's quite serious. A warning. So circumstances, so here we are, looking at this man, what surrounded him, spoke to him and said, be quiet, shut up, sit down, or else. So the same thing happens in my life, I know it happened in other people's lives. You're wanting this, you're crying out to God, and your circumstances will go, oh, but remember last time, it went so badly, it's only going to happen again this time, and you're like, I might shut up, sit down. And then over here, I remember, oh, but God isn't even real. Like, he doesn't even like you. Oh, yeah, that might make me be quiet. But, but God. And then might be other people might say to you, oh, yes, be a good Christian, but don't expect too much. Just, just do your thing. Go to church. That's enough, you know, all that kind of stuff. Circumstances around you, your circumstance right now might be enough to make you shut up, sit down, be quiet and give up reaching out and grabbing a hold of God, getting in his face, saying, God, this is what I want. Because he's not bothered by that. He actually encourages you to do that. And for maybe you think, oh, that doesn't fit with our church idea of God, but um, that's all right. He's not bothered by that either. He doesn't maybe always want to fit himself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> So there was a warning from the people, circumstances around him, they should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, and he said, Son of David, I am part of your family. I am allowed what is mine. Son of David, he named, I belong in the same family as you, Jesus. So I am allowed what you know, belongs in the family. So if I go home today, I live at my auntie and uncle's house, I am allowed to eat out of their fridge just because we're family, it's my right, because we're family. Like, if I went to your house, I wouldn't do that. But because, or maybe I would actually. Hang on a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I probably would when you weren't watching. I would say, oh, you know, there's nothing in there I want. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take all that. Um, no. So in the family, you're allowed what's in the family. So here, he was, he was naming his, his rights, son of David. Have mercy. Show who you are to me by action. Show your kindness to me. Alleviate my distress. Show your kindness to me today. Son of David, we're, we're, you know, we're brothers, man, brothers. So he was, again, layering his request to God. We're brothers. I don't have to demand. Just remember, we're brothers. And if your brother came to you and said, hey, can I borrow your car? You're like, uh, okay, because you're brothers. But if someone else did, I'd just, nah. Sorry, unless you can pay all the insurance, then maybe you'll think about it. But family is what he, he cried out as well. Son of David, have mercy on me. So in verse 40, 
And this is my favorite part. This, I just stopped and cried when I read this, these four words. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> and it said, so Jesus stood still. So Jesus stood still. And um, when you think about that, that Jesus stood still, that the God, like Mike was, Pastor Mike was saying, creator of the universe, the God who created, breathed out stars. He, he created the whole, like, oxygen. He made the stars. He made the earth. He made the balance of everything. He created everything. He created you, created me, did all amazing things. And he stopped still for one man that cried out. Like, I thought, far out. This man on a mission, Jesus, stopped still. A crowd of people, this little blind man sitting over here, cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped still, still. So he had the attention of the creator of the universe. And that's just incredible. Like, you know, in the kids' movies, when the, 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 yeah, the, sort of idiot kind of heroes are bumbling along and they bang into this like the big scary monster they don't realize what it is because it's so big they like bang into it and they're just carrying on doing these silly jokes you know like in the cartoons and then all of a sudden they realize oh my goodness and they just realize how huge this is that we've run into I mean how huge is our God that we walk with, that we relate, have relationship with. How huge is he? Just those four words that he stood still. I just want to share a little bit of a story from my life. When I was 15 years old, um, I used to like to pray a lot. I still like to pray, but I used to pray a lot. And um, something I said to God, which illustrates this point, um, that really, um, just almost like it happened yesterday, was when I was 15, I was in my room, and I was praying, and I was just worshiping, praying, just enjoying relationship, telling God compliments, like, great moon, you know, good invention, yeah, wow, you're awesome, oh, green grass, that's fantastic, good idea, great invention, and just enjoying that he's awesome, and telling him that how awesome he is, and um, I wanted to express to him and I don't recommend that you do this, but maybe find your own way to express this. But um, I said to him, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. Like, don't ever, ever, ever let me, like, walk away from you. Because, you know, I've seen people do that. Like, they lose the relationship with Jesus. And I think that is the most awful. They'll be like hell on earth. They'll be awful. God, but you can see how it just so it can almost easily happen. And so I said to God, don't ever let that happen to me. God, break my legs. Break my legs. But don't, you know, because I'd be a paraplegic stuck on my bed and then I'd have to commute, like relate with Jesus all the time. So that wasn't what, don't do that. Don't go and pray, God, break my legs because that wasn't what I was meaning. I didn't want him to break my legs. I was trying to express. If I couldn't run and if I couldn't play squash, if I couldn't ride my horses, if I couldn't do all that stuff, that'd be the worst, worst thing ever being a teenager. That would have been the worst thing that I can think of. So God, that much is how much I mean. God, keep me in relationship with you. And so I was just telling him this, and then all of a sudden I felt God just turn and look at me, and I freaked out. And I, sh I was like, I mean, what would you do if, what would you do? Like, seriously, if you realized all the attention of God and all his eyes and all his heart, all his focus came on you, what would you do? I just freaked out. <laughs> should I move or should I not? I thought I'd just not move. Just don't move. 
just don't move. And I, I felt him hear me in what I said in my heart. He wasn't going to break my legs. There was nothing to do with it. But in my heart, he heard me and he stopped still. And man, it was freaky. It was probably the freakiest thing. And I've done some freaky things. But that's probably the freakiest thing that I've ever experienced. Seriously, Christine. <laughs> Christine and me went for a drive today. And um, we nearly crashed three times. But it was awesome, man, any time. That was awesome. That just reminded me of that. So that was just a short story just showing you that when Jesus stands still, when you have all of his attention, when you cry out, it's something else. Verse 40. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. So it was a royal command to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying in verse 41, What do you want me to do for you? He said. Lord, that I may receive my sight. In verse 42. And then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. In verse 43. And immediately, I like the immediately. I hate waiting. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. That's a fantastic ending to a story. That's just Yeah, that's awesome. I like that one. Could read it all again, start over again. But in verse 41, it says, so we've read the story through. There's a a blind man, no eyes, oh, no sight. Who knows? Maybe no eyeballs. I don't know. And he's here in a situation surrounded by who knows what, probably gross stuff on the side of the road. I can only imagine it would be. After being in Indonesia, there's so much rubbish everywhere. Just, oh, I can just imagine sitting on the side of the road. People got a toilet. Anyway, you know, just, oh, yeah, could be worse. So he's in a really bad spot, sitting there, blind, no vision, no sight, no hope. His life situation, he's limited, incapacitated. What could he do with his life? As a blind man, what could, you couldn't provide for a family. You couldn't um, lead, but you couldn't be a tourist guide. You know, over here to your right is um, our what, lovely pyramids. Oh, no, it's over here to your left. So he couldn't do a lot being a blind person. He couldn't, um, he couldn't sell carpets. He wouldn't know if it's blue or green or purple. Yeah, have a purple one. Oh, it's red. Oh, anyway, okay, that was a short career. He couldn't do a lot as a blind man. So limited, incapacitated, sitting down on his own, begging in a poor place. This is the man that we're looking at today. And first, you look at the story and go, oh, yeah, cool story. Blind man receives a sight. Yep, heard it before. Cool. But actually, it's a historical report. So it actually happened. But not just that. It says first in the natural and then second in the spiritual. So where does this apply to me today? This is where you become a person that adds the word of God into your life and get changed by it, or you can look at it and go, oh yes, very nice, I'm going to McDonald's. It says the word of God is active in your life when you believe in it, when you wrap yourself around it and agree with it. The word of God is active. That's what I know. So first in the natural, then in the spiritual. So you might be in a situation where it feels like, oh, it's there's no hope. 
I've got no future. I've got no purpose. I've got no vision of the circumstance in my life. I can't see any change for it. I can't see any hope for this situation. I'm overwhelmed. My circumstances behind me say there's no hope. The people over here say there's no hope. My own heart tells me there's no hope. There's there's, um, tormenting spirits that, that run over my life and say there's no hope. You've got no purpose. There's nothing in front of you. Look what's behind you. So this could be anyone here tonight in this situation. And the same thing applies. Will you be able inside your heart to stir yourself up and rise up like this blind man did and cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on my life. God, I want change for this circumstance. God, I want change for my family. God, I want change for my school. God, I want change. God, I will not stay sitting down, poor, without, limited, incapacitated, just sitting here day by day by day. The same thing around my life. This man stirred himself up and cried out to God and got his attention. And then God said, what do you want? So the same thing is for you today. What is it that you want? What are you getting in the face of God for? Because he encourages it. He says, come on, come on, ask me. Come on. And I encourage you. And ask him, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What are you stirred up about? Are you stirred up about something or are you stirred up about nothing? What is stirring in your life right now? Are you stirred or are you passive? Is there something going on or is there nothing going on? When you feel the presence of God, when you feel the seasons of God coming, do you duck and hide or do you say, hey, I want a bit of that? Well, God, I want you to move in my life. God, I'm a mess, but God, I can see you moving. God, I want to move with you. God, I want to move with you. God, don't pass me by. God, I want to be the blind man that just sat there and Jesus went past and he's still there blind in a circumstance the same, unchanged. So what is it that you're stirred up about tonight? What are you expectant of God for? Because you are allowed to be expectant of God. You are allowed to grab a hold of him. It says in Psalms, take hold of God for yourself. Press into him. Hey, how's it going? God, I want this. God, you're awesome. God, I love you. God, I thank you. You are my dad. God, this is what I want. This is what you are allowed. So what is it tonight that's stirred up in your spirit right now? Because there's a move of God happening. Good, bad, ugly coming up. What are you doing? Where are you positioning yourself? Are you staying, sitting in the same place? Or are you saying, hey, I'm standing up and I'm calling out. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. And I believe I receive my sight and things will be changed. They will not be the same. Not in my own strength. Never in my own strength. Yeah. But in the power of God and in the name of Jesus, he always responds when you cry out to him. He always does. I can remember every time that I've cried out to God that night. 
Two years of change came from that night that I cried out to God for me and for my family. That night, I said, God, I need you to do something. I cried out to God. I remember driving down a road. I remember it was dark, and I cried out to God with all of my heart. I said, God, I want this change. It cannot stay the same for your life, for your family, for your future. For your dreams, what is it that you need to stir yourself up, grab a hold of God and say, God, you're awesome. God, I want breakthrough. God, I want change. God, I will not stay sitting down over here. I will not stay sitting down over here. So he stood up. What did he do? He heard, asked questions, what's going on? Oh, Jesus is moving. Something's going on. I could feel it, he said. So, So what do you do? God is moving right now. If you didn't know, I'll just tell you. God is moving right now. So here's the season of God moving right now. Right now, God is moving right now in your life. If you feel like you got junk coming up, God is moving. If you feel like, oh, all my dreams, oh my goodness, just there. God is moving. If you feel like your giftings and your skills are starting to flourish and start to feel God moving, that's God moving right now. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay sitting down over here begging, going, oh, money, how it's so sad, oh, pain, oh, 50 cents, cool, yeah. That's one option. You can choose that by staying there. That's your choice. Or you can like throw the bowl away. And it says also um, in another of the, of the scriptures, it says he threw off his garments, he threw off his old attitudes, dis- disappointment, despair, doubt, unbelief, and doubt. Those two things will rob you as well. He threw those things off and he stood up and he cried out to God, show your kindness to me by action. I know it. That's what you are. So he cried out, God stopped. So tonight, right now, what are you going to do in this season of God? What are you going to do in this season of God? Because He is speaking to your heart. Will you stir yourself up and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. God, show your kindness to me. God, I know it. God, I'm part of your family. God, I'm not a distant somebody ringing from the other side of the earth in the hope that you would answer. God, but we are close. We're family. God, and what I ask, God, I thank you. It's already started in my life tonight. So for you right now, if you feel in your heart, God, I've been surrounded by circumstances. I'm not even always aware of it, but I'm not happy to stay the same. For my family, I'm not happy for it to stay the same. For my future, I'm not happy for it to stay the same. My past may overshadow me. I'm not happy with that remaining the case all the time. It's time for some things to stop in Jesus' name. So if that's you tonight, allow yourself. You have permission to reach out, to cry out to God for change to come in your life, your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. Because He's more than willing to stop, look at you and move in your world. It's what He loves to do more than anything else. It's what He loves to do more than anything else.